in Luke chapter 2, the angel announcing Christ's birth to the shepherds says this, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly, I mean picture that, and suddenly it's this explosion in the skies, there was There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Christ coming into the world marked the coming of true peace. And so so let's, let's ask this question. We asked it about hope. Let's ask it about peace. What is peace? What is peace? In the Old Testament, the main word for peace is Shalom. Maybe you've heard that. And in the New Testament, the main word is the Greek, irini. Maybe not so familiar. And just like our English word peace, shalom and irini have uh, a similar wide range of meanings. They can mean uh, a a stoppage, a cessation of of war between nations. Since World War II, the, the United States and Japan have been at peace. They can, they can mean a return to good relationships between two individuals. Uh, the husband and wife were fighting about their finances, but now they're at peace. They can mean, these words can mean an internal struggle, excuse me, an internal sense of calm and, and tranquility. I was struggling with the decision, and I prayed, and, and God has given me peace. So like our English word, the, the peace, the biblical range of meanings for peace uh, ranges from the end of a war to an internal feeling within, in an individual. So what kind of peace were the angels announcing in Luke chapter 2? They say, on earth peace, or, or peace on earth. For many, this has become uh, uh, synonymous with the idea of world peace. Have you... Have you Have you thought about world peace? It expresses the potential of man's greatest achievement. Our ability to form a society that's free from violence, free from war. Wikipedia defines world peace as an ideal of freedom, peace, and happiness among among and within all nations and or people. World peace is an idea of planetary nonviolence by which nations willingly cooperate either voluntarily or by virtue of a system of governance that prevents warfare. World peace is seen by many as the answer to humanity's problems. But when the angel says, on earth peace, is that what he's talking about? Are they praising God for a Messiah, a Savior who's come to end all war? One that would bring freedom and peace and happiness and planetary nonviolence. Well, if that's the case, there are two problems. First, there's a biblical problem. Because Jesus later said of himself in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. And in that case, he's speaking of this no war. I've come to bring peace. I've I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus specifically says that he not only didn't come to end war, but that his coming would bring the sword. This is a symbol of, the sword is a symbol of violence and and warfare. Jesus knew that that his coming would cause divisions among people, even violence. So first, biblically speaking, we can't say that Jesus came to bring world peace. 
And second, practically speaking, we can't say that Jesus came, that Jesus brought world peace, because neither before nor after the coming of Christ has humanity been at peace, as we were so brutally reminded of this past week. Our world is continually filled with war, continually filled with violence, violence in the, in the macro, violence in the micro. There are times of peace between nations, but they're few and far between. Since the beginning of, of uh, 4,000 years of recorded history, historians say there have only been 286 years that they can't point to a specific war that's taking place in our world. So both biblically and practically, we know that the angels cry, when the angels cry out, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, they're not talking about an end to war. So what kind of peace were they talking about? Not peace between nations, but what we're going to see this morning is that they're talking about peace between God and humanity. The peace that the angel spoke of really has, a, I think, a three-part definition, a definition that builds upon itself, and it's all about God. First, peace is a cessation, a stoppage of hostilities towards God, and that cessation, that stopping hostilities with God leads to part two, peace is a return to right relationship with God. And that right relationship with God leads to part three. Peace is that internal feeling of tranquility from God. That's the peace we're looking at this morning. And the first thing we need to point out about this, and it may be obvious, this is the coming of peace, the coming of Christ. We need to firmly establish it in our hearts, though. The first thing we need to see is that peace comes through Christ. Peace comes through Christ. Notice that the angels announce Announcement of peace comes right after the announcement of Christ's birth. They say to the shepherds, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And as soon as the announcement comes, heaven breaks loose. And suddenly, there with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God. God is going to do something here. God is going to do something new. He's going to do something different. God has sent His Son into the world. And that Son will bring peace. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Very pat. There it is. There's the answer. We have peace through Christ. Peace with God comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before we talk about peace anymore, before we move forward, we need to step back for a second. We need to not miss the obvious. If peace comes through Christ, if Christ brought and is bringing peace, then before Christ, there was no peace. There was no peace. Ever since the fall, ever since man was corrupted by sin, he's been separated from God. Sin put a a wedge, a division between God and humanity. Isaiah 59.2 describes it. But your iniquities, your sins, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. 
Most of us have probably heard of this separation. And it's explained this way. God is holy and therefore cannot allow sinful people to be in his presence. And that's true. But it's more than that. When, it, when it's explained in that way, it seems like that, that we have some kind of disease that God doesn't want to be exposed to. And that we're just waiting around uh, passively for a cure, that we're the passive victims of sin. But Scripture gives a different picture. Yes, we are corrupted by sin. Yes, because of that corruption that we've inherited from Adam, we cannot be reconciled to God. But we don't just sit around passively and wait for a cure. We're not passive. We're not innocent victims of sin. We prove that we're part of the problem when we sin. We prove that we're hostile towards God. That we are, in fact, His enemies. That we're in, at war with God. Paul writes in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Christ didn't bring peace with God for those who were neutral. We're not Switzerland with God. He brought peace, he brought reconciliation to those that were at war with him, to those that were his enemies. And how did he accomplish that? How did he bring peace? Again, Paul writes in Colossians this time, chapter 1, verse 20 through 22, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, to bring back into right relationship all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, how? By the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You, Me, we, who were once alienated and and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, who were at war with God, Christ, by His death on the cross, through the shedding of His blood, in a mysterious way, has made peace. He's reconciled the alienated. He's he's brought back into relationship those who are hostile towards God. And and now he, He can present you holy and blameless, above reproach before God. Through Christ alone, peace with God is accomplished. Through the blood of Christ, we have peace with God. Now we need to ask this question though. Who receives this peace? Who gets to have this peace relationship with God. To whom does peace come? And that's our second point. Peace comes to the pleasing. Peace comes to the pleasing. Remember Luke 2, 14. The angel says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He's pleased. Among those with whom He's pleased. Peace does not come to all. Peace comes to those that God is pleased with. So we need to ask the question, we, chomping at the bit, how, what does it mean? How do I please God? How can I be one of those who pleases God? Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we read this, And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. 
God is pleased by those who have faith. God is pleased with faith. Therefore, peace with God comes to those who have faith, have faith in Him. Remember Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who've been justified by faith have peace with God. So what does it mean to be justified by faith? Justified means to be acquitted. It means to be freed, to be set free. And, and faith means to rely upon, to put your trust in, or, or to believe in. So we are set free from our sin by putting our trust in Jesus Christ alone. And when we put our faith in Christ, that pleases God. And when God is pleased with you, you're at peace with Him. That's how peace is accomplished. Remember Colossians 3.20. And through Him to reconcile to himself all things, to bring everything back into relationship, a right relationship with God, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Because of Jesus' death, his blood shed on the cross for you and me, we can now be reconciled with God. God extends this olive branch of peace to sinful man. He offers peace. God has written a peace treaty in His Word and He signed it in His own blood. Now those who accept the terms of this peace treaty that God offers are then reconciled. They're at peace with God. And the terms of the peace treaty are as follows. You've got to get this. This is important. Uh, the terms are simple. The terms are complete total, utter surrender, holding nothing back. You must have faith in Christ's finished work on the cross, the blood of the cross. You must put your trust in Christ, following Him in every area of life. You must give yourself completely to Him, surrendering your life to Him, living no longer for you, but living for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul makes that really abundantly clear. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body, and by body it certainly refers to your body, but it's all of you, heart, soul, mind, everything, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within you, whom you have, have from God. You're given the Holy Spirit when you put your trust in Christ. You, but, 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 but this is the, the, the uh, response you need to have. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and everything you do. You must live for Christ, follow Christ, glorify Christ. For those men, women, and children who accept these terms, these are uh, terms of peace with God, and the terms are complete surrender, you receive reconciliation with God. For those who put their faith in Christ, the war with God is over. They're at peace. Sins are forgiven. They enter into a relationship with God. And they, can been, and they can then begin to experience this inner peace, this tranquility that comes from trusting in Christ. The peace that we long for but all too often uh, struggle to grab hold of is available. This internal peace of the soul is directly related to our peace with God. It's not until we have peace with God 
that we can have true peace in our soul. It's not until we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Christ has entered in, Christ has given us the Spirit of God, uh, that we can have peace. Jesus is the prerequisite to that internal peace that so often people are seeking. Maybe you've heard this saying, uh, no Jesus, spelled N-O, I think it's up there, yeah, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. It may be cliche, maybe on t-shirts, on license plates, but it's, here, but it's true. Peace with God comes through Jesus Christ alone. And it's when we have peace with God, when we have returned to right relationship with God, when we know Christ, that we can be- begin to experience that internal tranquility from God. Paul says in, to the church in Thessalonica, Chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Jesus is the Lord of peace. The master of peace. In Isaiah, last week we read in chapter 9, verse 6, six it called Jesus the Prince of Peace. Jesus, the Lord and Prince of Peace, gives us this internal tranquility, this internal peace to those who put their faith in Him. It was only to His disciples, those who had put their trust in Christ, that Jesus promised in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. For those that follow Jesus, He offers peace. This is a supernatural peace. This peace doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from uh, material success or security. It doesn't come from having a good marriage. It doesn't come from the love of your children. This peace is given by Christ to those who put their faith in Him. This internal peace is not based on earthly circumstances. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's based on your eternal security in Christ. So how do we experience this kind of peace, this kind of internal tranquility, I'll call it, in our hearts, in our souls? We know that peace comes through Christ. No Jesus, no peace. And we know that it comes to the pleasing, those who put their faith in Christ. But it doesn't come all at once, and it's not a magic spell When we give our lives to Jesus, He doesn't cast a peace spell. You don't all of a sudden, Lord, I ask you into my heart, oh, the peace. It's just there. It's just amazing. Peace, like like so many of the qualities that God offers to us, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, like so many of those qualities, they come as we grow in relationship with the Lord. Peace comes in relationship. That's our our third point. Paul wrote again to the Thessalonians, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. This internal peace is given by the Lord of peace. And Paul says, the Lord be with you all. Peace is given by Jesus, but it's given in relationship as we have relationship with Christ. Know Jesus. No peace. 
There's a great deal of peace that comes from being in relationship with Jesus. Knowing that His love is for real. Knowing that He will never leave you or forsake you. Knowing that your sins are forgiven and you've been reconciled to God. Knowing that He will meet every earthly need, every heavenly need that you have. Knowing that He's prepared a place for you in heaven, that one day you'll be with Him for all eternity. To the extent that we trust in Christ, we need to get this, to the extent that you trust in Christ. If you're, if you're struggling, if there's turmoil, if there's not peace in your life, I would guarantee you, you're not trusting in Christ. To the extent you trust in Christ, you trust in the Word of God, you'll have peace. That's not saying that there won't be struggles. To the extent you give those struggles over to Him, and we'll see that in a minute, trust comes in relationship. Peace comes in relationship. Who are the people that you trust in your life? They're the people that you know. They're the people that you've spent time with. They're the people that you've had experience with, that have come through. The people that have proven themselves in the past. They're the people that you have relationship with. And the same is true with Christ. To the extent that we have relationship with Christ, we spend time with Him, we know Him, we trust what He's done for us in the past, to that extent we will not fear and we'll have this internal security and comfort and peace. The deeper our relationship is with God, the more peace we will have in our soul. So as we conclude this morning, I'd just like to point out four ways that Scripture tells us, these are four applications, four ways that we can grow in this peace that God wants us to have. And interestingly, each of these ways of gaining peace, of growing in peace, is also a way that we grow in relationship with God. They go hand in hand. Peace comes in relationship with the Lord. So first, peace comes through obedience. Isaiah 32, 17, and the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Righteousness, doing what is right before God, obeying what you know to be true of God, will bring peace. We know this is true by experience, don't we? When we sin, when we fail, when we don't do what God wants us to do, when we disobey, uh, our, that's, the, that's the breaking of the relationship. Relationship is broken. And until we repent and confess our sins, that relationship remains broken. Our, our, our fellowship, we can't fellowship with the Lord. And there's no peace in your heart. Have you ever, have you ever sinned? Raise your hand. No, just kidding. Can I get some details? Uh, if, if, you've, if you've ever sinned, and we all have, you know if, if okay, this is a, a, I'm applying this to people that have trusted in Christ, and he's living in you, and so you've got this sin hanging over your head, and you've got Jesus in there, and there's this battle, there's this war going on, and until you confess and repent, there will be no peace. Obedience brings peace with the Lord. Second, peace comes through God's Word. John 16.33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. So peace comes through Christ, peace comes through the things he says. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. The things that Jesus said to his disciples were to give them peace. Not peace with the world, but peace with God. Peace in their hearts 
we're able to hear the and, and, and we're able to hear these same words, or at least read these same words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. And in fact, I believe the entire word of God can bring peace. It is, as I said before, the peace treaty between God and man. As we read the word, as we study his word, as we obey his word, as we memorize his word, as we meditate on his word, as we think about God's promises, we grow in our relationship with him, we grow in our faith and our trust in him, and we have peace. Just think about the scriptures that you know, that you've memorized or you're familiar with, and ask yourself, do they bring you peace? What, what, just anybody, just quickly, any scripture come to mind that... that and you don't, I'm not going to ask you to quote it, maybe the gist, that, that brings peace to you. Pat? We, I can do all things through. So that, that gives us peace as, 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 as life presses in on us, as, as, as circumstances are crushing us. I can do all things. There's peace in, from God's Word. Any others? Jeff? Hmm. There you go. Your gods, who, who, who can come against you, you know? Others. Yes, Sharon. If you're trusting in the Lord, He'll direct your paths. Peace. You can be sure if, if you're trusting in the Lord, you want to know how to, how to know God's will, have peace in your life, trust in the Lord. Lean on Him and He'll direct your paths. One more. Yes. Yes. With prayer, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Yes. Prayer. I mean, the promise there, and that's coming up. So we'll leave that one for a second. We're going to talk about that one in, in, in just one second. So the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, I mean, if you want some peace, just, just start reading and, and, and really committing to memory some of God's Word. So the second thing, follow, the third thing follows from that. Peace comes through, through meditation. And that's meditation, uh, not um, clearing your mind of things. It's meditation, thinking about the Lord. Isaiah twenty six three says, "You keep this. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you." Perfect peace comes to those whose mind is fixed on God. This is something that that we really struggle with in our culture. That I really struggle with in my culture. Fixing my mind on anything is difficult. There are so many distractions. That's why I believe we we need to take time to meditate on God, to meditate on His Word, His words and His purposes. Meditation seems to be this, this lost art. Taking the time to get away from the distractions, uh, if not throwing away, putting away the phone and the pad and the computer and the whatever else and focusing on the Lord. And as we focus on God and trust, our trust in Him grows. And and as we trust in Him, our our peace grows. And finally, the verse Cecile mentioned, the the, the peace comes through prayer. Probably the best known verse related to peace in the Bible. 
verses we just studied as we walk through the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is some of the most practical advice uh, in the Bible. Do not be anxious about anything. Uh, So you say, how do I do that? Well, he gives the solution. Pray. The question is, though, why should we be anxious? If God is real, if God is real, if he's both a God of all power, if he's all powerful, and he's a God of great love, and he loves you, you're one of the pleasing ones that have put his faith in you, then what do we have to be anxious about? I know that's, I know that's true, and that's hard sometimes when life comes at us. This life is full of things that make us anxious. Big ones, uh, wars and crime and terrorism. Not so big ones, maybe. 16-year-olds with driver's license. Things that happen at work. People that don't like us. So much more. Some of these things we can do something about and others we can't. They're out of our hands. They're totally out of our control. But in, in, in any case, we are subject to anxiety and fear. But Paul says, instead of anxiety over the things you cannot control, give them to the Lord in prayer. Take them to Jesus. Put them on His plate. He can handle them. He's not subject to anxiety. I can't imagine Jesus being, well, as I say that, I remember the cross. There is the cross. Jesus was, had some, some strife about the cross, but what did He do? Took it to the Lord in prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. So take your anxiety to the Lord. And the promise comes, if we'll do that, the great promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we take the things of our lives that cause us anxiety, and when we give them to God in prayer, trusting in His power, trusting in His love, trusting that He alone uh, knows what's best for us and wants what's best for us, then we'll have peace. And not just any peace, but the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Now let me explain this peace to you. Uh, Wait a minute. Can't do that. Because it surpasses all understanding. Even my understanding. I'm, I'm really smart, but I'm not that smart. Just kidding. Surpasses all understanding. We can't explain it. It's inexplicable. We can only experience it. It's the peace that that David felt when he faced Goliath. It's the peace that Daniel felt in the lion's den. It's the peace that Shadrach, Meshach, and away we I mean Abednego felt when, when they were thrown into that fiery furnace. It's the peace that Peter and John felt when they were beaten for proclaiming the gospel and they rejoiced. It's the peace that Paul felt when he was shipwrecked, beaten, and left for dead. I think it's the peace that Mondo felt in the midst of what was happening to him last week at the Inland Regional Center. And it's the peace that you and I can experience if we trust in God. If we'll enter into relationship with Him, obeying Him, 
meditating, thinking about Him, putting Him foremost in our mind, turning to His Word, casting our cares upon Him. Over 2,000 years ago, Christ came into this world. He not only brought peace, but He became our peace. Paul writes to the Ephesians, For He Himself is our peace. Through Christ alone, through His death, shedding of His blood, we have peace with God. But to receive this peace, we have to put our faith in Him. And when we put our faith in Him, we can experience this internal peace, this comfort, this security that comes through relationship with Him and surpasses all understanding. So as Tom, uh, Tom Raisbeck comes to lead us in communion this morning, I would encourage you uh, to remember the price that Jesus paid that we might have peace with God, that we might enter into relationship, be reconciled with God. Tom, would you come as I pray? Father God, thank you for this time together to celebrate your coming and that you bring peace, Lord. You bring peace between, between God and humanity, those who trust in you, Lord. I pray for us that we would trust in you with all our heart, that we would not lean on our, on our own understanding, that we would allow you to direct our paths, Lord, that we would come to you With all we are, we would give ourselves totally and completely to you. And Lord, in return, that you would give us peace. Lord, uh, let your peace fall upon uh, this congregation as we celebrate this communion in remembrance of you. Amen.